The Gailey Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. book causes satanism what is left for us to rant about there is nothing straight about plum velvet <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when i said that <laughs> monocles are impractical but hot i don't for a second believe that she is a straight person i mean i'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva mcconnell let's talk about <laughs> harry potter hey there Before we get into this week's episode, we just wanted to take a second to say thank you to the folks who left reviews since the last episode. So big thank you to Kevin Oski, Sar Squared 1987, and Bridge M for leaving us really lovely iTunes reviews. We really appreciate it. And if you want your iTunes leaving name mutilated by me on this podcast, uh, just go ahead and hop over to iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook even and leave us a review. Um, I don't know if you can leave reviews anywhere else. If you can and you do, just make sure you let us know because those are the only places that we're checking. So yeah, you know, any of those places are great. Also, you know, like telling your friends about it to everyone who has like shared our Instagram posts and your stories. Thank you so much. Um, We're very grateful. Please do go leave us those. We are well on our way to meeting the the 50 review goal that we need to be able to um, randomly choose 10 lovely humans to get a sticker in the mail. So, you know, that's exciting. Um, Also, thank you to everybody who has started uh, being a patron of ours. Is that how you say that? Thank you to our patrons. We're very excited and we're going to be bringing you really exciting content over there. If you missed it, a couple weeks ago on Valentine's Day, we put up an episode of Witch Weekly, our gossip column, uh, for everybody. So don't forget to go listen to that. And for the love of God, go follow us on social media. We have so much wonderful stuff to bring to your eyeballs. So please don't miss out. It's all very entertaining and amusing. And a lot of the original stuff is created by Lark, who is a very... Oh! <laughs> Just dropped You're the mic. You're so excited about me, Jesse. <laughs> I'm so excited about your art and that everyone acknowledges how great it is. It looks amazing. You should definitely like it and share it and tell your friends about our social and also our podcast, which is lovely. So, Yes. So with that, Hello! And welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. This week on The Gaily Prophet, you are listening to part B of our two-part conversation on chapters 11 and 12. That's Quidditch in the Mirror of Erised, in case you somehow forgot since last week. 
yeah, let's get into this week's newspaper. Welcome to the sports section, in which these Quidditch passages are boring. I drew a sleeping face in my book and then wrote Lee Jordan is the only saving grace. That's legit. Yeah, no, he he is... The, yeah, he's the only saving grace because yeah, the like pages when you're describing the game, I'm like, I literally don't know what's happening, and it's just really tedious to read. Right. I mean, it's if you're not watched, like if you were in a room listening to someone watch sports, and they're like, draw passes to blah blah blah, blah da, 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 like describe. That's not fun if you're not seeing it happen. It's even less fun reading it happen. <laughs> like reading the minutes of a sports game. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't want to. Yeah, and I just wish that it was not there. <laughs> I mean, it actually, it really is a saving grace that JKR admitted to hating having to write these Quidditch scenes. So oh, did she? As- yeah, like, as the series progresses, that's why you don't get... I think this is, like... Maybe in this book and the next are the only two books... Like, are the books where you get a lot of these kind of, like, detailed, long Quidditch, like, descriptions of the game. And I think for the rest of the books, it's, like, something dramatic happens and Harry is out of the game. Or the game doesn't happen. Or Quidditch is canceled. Or, like, Luna's, you know, doing it so it's extra funny. Yeah. I also just feel like they, she, the descriptions of the game being played from Harry's point of view are not as tedious as the commentary, so it would have just been fine to not include the commentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. My other sports stuff is about how I want Madam Hooch to be fired. <laughs> we'll have to do, we'll have to do a whole little, we'll have to definitely have a good rant about that, because that's definitely also on my thing. Okay. Um, what actually powers broomsticks? Great question. And so, and so they're like clearly a magical item that's powerful enough that you need to yourself be powerful to fuck with them. It must be charmed somehow, but like I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of complex shit happening, and I wish we knew more about how the fuck that even works. Yeah, they are really mysterious, uh, and yeah, we we don't ever. I feel like it must be really similar to like wand making, like it's this ancient craft that is passed down and there's probably a bunch of like super guarded industry secrets and stuff like that i mean i think you would need to be because like there's like different kinds of broomsticks and it's like how like besides the different kind of wood that you use how would you differentiate between i made my broomstick go a little fast but there's no there's not an engine there's not like how many how much more aerodynamic is a stick with more sticks in the back of it I just, like, how do you improve a broomstick? Like, it's all very, like, it's all very mysterious. I just, how aerodynamic is a stick is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, great question. And why are people putting so much effort into, like, improving broomsticks instead of, like, making more comfortable transportation <laughs> oh put some put some saddles on them yes. i don't know something something just a bike seat for the love of god <laughs> but just, just just screw a bike seat through the middle of the room 
I'd do it. Everyone would be like, Actually, you ruined your, your broom. And I'd be like, yeah, but now I can freaking ride it. So you go fall in a hole. Really, there should just be more flying bicycles. Mm-hmm. Really. Like, get that, like, Wicked Witch of the West vibe going on. Really embrace yeah, it. Yeah, and then make it so that there's, like, a pedal-powered, um, what are those things called that you play music through when you don't have electricity? With, like, the trumpet. Lupin uses one to play music. Whatever. Those things. Like a gramophone? Gramophone. Yeah. Pedal power gramophone that plays the Wicked Witch of the West theme. Oh my god. (laughs) So perfect. (laughs) Um, McGonagall would have that. Oh my god. In her top hat. Fulfilling all of the dreams. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Good times. Fanfic. Let's get it going. I just, have, I just have a couple of other kind of smaller sports points. Is that I feel like robes seem a little impractical for Quidditch. <laughs> Especially if a lot of people aren't wearing pants. So are you just like bare-legged? I'm like up in the, in the sky, like freezing. <laughs> Yes, they are. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Oh, no. And just, like, something about, because I'm like... Can everyone just see everyone's underwear? Has J.K. Rowling never attempted to ride a bike in a long skirt? <laughs> like, this is... It's not practical. And I feel like, like, most sports, almost... Most sports, you're wearing a form-fitting outfit for a reason. Like, having a rope flapping around seems just like... It's gonna mess up how aerodynamic you are. True. That's such a good point. And, like, someone could grab you, and I just I just keep coming back to the, like, um, the gif of, like, uh, from, like, The Incredibles. There's, like, no capes. And it's just like, yes, these... It just seems very dangerous to have, like, all this extra fabric when you're flying and also playing... A mildly dangerous sport. Yep, I'm with you. <laughs> just... I did have one other one, which is just about like how adorable the banner that they make for Harry. Oh is. my god, it's so good. It's so Dina... sweet. Dina hand draws a lion on a bed sheet. That's like a huge undertaking. It's so adorable. And then Hermione like charms like. Yeah, it's sweet. it's a lot. It's so 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 sweet. Yeah, Dean is a good friend. Harry should not be mean to him when he's dating Jenny. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So, I really, I really love the bit where we have Dean yelling like a sports reference to be like, he should be out. He should like red card. Yeah. And I'm like, actually, Marcus Flint probably should have been whatever the version of Quidditch is out is. Because I'm just like, you can't just like body check someone and then they still be allowed to play. They like, don't have which is okay like i don't just know just penalties i don't know a lot about sports but i know a lot of different sports different kinds of sports you have people on the bench and if people are like out or tapped out or fouled you send someone else in and i don't understand why quidditch which can apparently go for three months doesn't have a kind of like bench for people like it's right just, what there's i don't remember when but there's a point where like 
Harry can't play right and they have to like find a new seeker or like they have to play without a seeker or like something ridiculous happens and it's like you could have had like a reserve team why don't you have that right yeah no it's it's not good this sport is not good yeah um i also have a thing which maybe could have been in politics but so the only sport that i love is horse racing okay um and i feel like when they describe seekers it sounds a lot like what like jockeys are supposed to be like on like horse racing so you want you want dudes that are tiny or not dudes you want people who are tiny and like really don't weigh a lot because they're fast and you're like you know the less you weigh the faster the horse can go maybe Mm -hmm. this is the same with the brooms question mark i guess (laughs) um and one of the things that i know that happens with or that, like, had been a thing in the past with jockeys, is them having incredibly intense eating disorders. Because the less you weigh, like, that's like that's a more appealing jockey to have, is a huh. one that's, like, really skinny. So I bet that there's a lot of eating disorders among professional seekers. And I just wanted to point that out, how shitty that is. That is a really good point. So. Yeah. And I, because, like, so, like, your weight and your body must affect how fast you're flying. So that's, like, and that that's, like, where all your seeker stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point. A question that I've always had about Quidditch is, like, Harry is always overtaking people who start after the snitch before him. And I guess that I've always been, like, but how? Like, especially if they're on the same broom, you know? Yeah. Like, before he gets his firebolt. So, yeah, I guess it must it must be that he's littler yeah huh yeah more of that very confusing broom magic that we don't ever get anymore doesn't that make it kind of weird that they don't ever um put first years on the team because wouldn't it be like really beneficial to just constantly have a first year as like a first or second year as your seeker to constantly have an 11 year old who weighs like 60 pounds yeah I guess I, probably there's some skill involved that would make that not that practical, but... Yeah. It seems like just from the huh. chapter about teaching the 11-year-olds to fly the first years that I'm sure a lot of them just wouldn't be good to make it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Alright, are you ready for Madam Hooch? I am ready. Okay, <laughs> here's, here's my note to start us off. I said it once and I'll say it again. Madam Hooch needs to be fired. No one notices Harry's broom is acting wild. What the fuck is she doing? Like, is she just high? Is she, <laughs> like, just showing up, just, like, stoned out of her mind? Like, let's play some Quidditch. Like, what is she doing? I mean, you know, she must be because, like, not only is she, is she not doing shit when Harry is clearly having problems with his broom, she doesn't do shit to stop it. She doesn't stop the game. Marcus Flint makes like, he throws the quaffle in the thing like five times while Harry is a, like almost dying. And I'm like, I know she doesn't even call a goddamn time out. She doesn't know that it's happening. Even though like the entire Gryffindor team is attempting to rescue Harry. Yeah. And like, even besides that she didn't stop it, she should have been like, 
let me, I don't know, conjure a thing underneath you so you don't plummet to your death a hundred feet. Like, she does, she's not anywhere in this chapter except when she calls the game. And it's like, what? And all these professors are in the stands just, like, not doing shit besides not fucking doing- Snape? Snape is the only person doing a thing? Oh my god, it is just outlandish. It's, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? I feel like Dumbledore didn't do anything because he's like, let's see how Harry gets out of this one. I like, don't <laughs> even, I, I, I honestly think Dumbledore isn't, I, I honestly think that Dumbledore isn't even at this game, which is, I think, even worse. Because shit like this, like, everyone just fucking watching and no one's doing shit. Like, Dumbledore was able to, like, stop Harry's dive in Prisoner of Azkaban from, like, who the fuck knows how far away. And it's just like... Well, he is there on that one because of the fact that the yeah, are so but it's like Yeah, maybe he doesn't come because he's like, oh, sports are boring. I mean, he, pr- he probably is that. He probably <laughs> is that person. But also, like, Quidditch is dangerous and clearly no one else knows how to do anything when dangerous things are happening during Quidditch. So, That's like, true. he should be there. But where's McGonagall? Like, she's deeply invested. Is she just, like, making bets with her bookie in the back? I mean, she must be. I mean, the game was still going, you know? She just was like, oh, I have my money running on this on this game. We can't stop. It. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so um, everyone fails except for Snape, surprisingly. His first time saving Harry from being jinxed. So... It's also, like, really bizarre because I think later Quirrell is going to say that Snape knew that Quirrell was hexing Harry. And they're, like, really close to each other because Hermione knocks Quirrell over, like, right before she gets to Snape. So why didn't Snape just lean over and, like, slap that fucker? You know? <laughs> why is he trying to counter counter the hex instead of just being like, stop it! Yeah. Maybe he, di- maybe he didn't want... Voldemort to know. I guess that's assuming that he... I mean, maybe Snape didn't think that, like, Voldemort is laying on the back of that dude's head, but maybe he was like, oh, Quirrell's probably involved in some bullshit Death Eater crap, so... Yeah, he didn't know it was Voldemort, or I guess that could be a lie, but he does say that he just thought it was Quirrell trying to steal the stone. So... (sighs) This is not a good school. Let's just... (laughs) reiterate your children are very likely to die if they go to this school you should homeschool see this is why i would not want to be in the harry potter universe like just no like Mm -mm. no this is no like dangerous things happen every month at hogwarts like and the teachers are clearly very incompetent when it comes to the safety and protection of literal children. Yeah, they just, like, don't care. Which I guess means that we should maybe, like, turn to the education section. Welcome to the education section, where we talk about the fact that Hogwarts is not a good school. <laughs> Hogwarts is such a terrible school. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, do you want to start in the library? That's actually everything that I have left in education because I already talked about everything else that I had here. 
Madam Pence needs to be fired. Can we just on the list of teachers that need to be fired? She chased Harry out of the library with a feather duster because he didn't have a specific agenda for being in the only place besides his common room that he's allowed in the fucking castle. Yeah. Go to hell, lady. You're terrible. And, like, number one, if Hogwarts is a large library of some kind, there sh- why is there only one librarian? There should be multiple librarians. Like, and, like, clearly they need a, like, they need a fucking reference librarian because none of these books make any sense. Like, is there no card catalog? It doesn't seem to be, like, organized in a way that makes sense like a modern library. So you would no. need to have, like, ten people helping students to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the Charms books migrate sometimes, so I'll help you find them. Yeah. I I have to imagine, I just, this just occurred to me right now, because it's it's like, why are there not sections aside from the restricted section? But, like, what if they're all just alphabetical? Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, regardless, regardless of section, they're like, this is the only kind of organization we can think of is alphabetical. It makes me so sad. Like, they have read hundreds of books trying to find Nicholas Flamel. That is so upsetting. Hundreds Given how many fucking books they read every time they're trying to find any information, these children should be the smartest people in the entirety of the witching world. Harry, Ron, and Hermione have read thousands upon thousands of books by the end of this series. I felt they must just be skimming for keywords or something. And it actually kind of reminds me of whenever they're doing research on Buffy and they're just like randomly skimming like text and like Sumerian and I'm like are you guys like reading this? Are you just like skimming it for stuff? Like I'm just You're just looking at the pictures. <laughs> Xander is definitely looking at just the pictures. Yeah. Um but that's usually how they find the demons. They're like, thank God this monk drew the demon for us. <laughs> uh yeah, I've been I've so sad story is that I can't read Harry Potter to fall asleep anymore because all I do is think about the things that I'm gonna want to talk about when we get to that <laughs> Part of the book. Oh no! So I've just been reading Carry On in an endless loop for the last little bit, and there, that the spell that they have for finding things in books, where they you like tap the cover and say "fine tooth comb," and then the like the word, the keyword that you're looking for. Every single time I read it, my heart breaks for Hogwarts and the fact that they don't have a spell for this. Like, yeah. Why isn't there a spell to look for that information? Also, Flamel should be in some of the books that they say that they've read. I get that he made the stone 600 years ago, but the fact that the dude is still alive would definitely qualify him for, like, noteworthy wizards of the 21st century or whatever the book is called. I actually had it as a note, too. And even, the, like, yeah, so he should be in some of those books because that's incredible. And also, even if Hermione would have asked her parents, they I mean, Nicholas Fumel is a real person. Like, they might have known. Is that true? Yeah. Like, in Nicholas our F- world? Yeah, Nicholas Fumel is an actual person in our world. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, me and 
in in Paris is a little building that has like a plaque or his name or something, and we passed it when we were in Paris. So, um, holy shit! Why do I not know this? Well, you do now. You've learned. You've learned something today. Wait, teach. I want to. I'm gonna read this Wikipedia article <laughs> live on the air because I am so intrigued. He actually, he actually was an alchemist, I think, right? Believed to have discovered the Philosopher's Stone and achieved immortality. What? Yeah. There are texts ascribed to him almost 200 years after his death. Does that mean he was writing them then? No. Just that they figured out that it was him then. Maybe. I mean. Wow. (laughs) Cool. I'm so excited. Reading is fundamental. (laughs) I'm just so excited to be a part of this, like, journey to, like, show you a a new thing. Holy shit. Thanks, Jesse. So, yes, he he should have been in, like, at least one of those books that they were looking up. Yeah. My only final thing is just that the restricted section is very upsetting and the fact that Harry finds a book that is covered in blood. (laughs) Just know you are running a school. (laughs) Stop it. (sighs) Yeah, just the restricted section is... That's the only part of the entire school full of dangerous and inappropriate for children things that is adequately guarded at least (laughs) like just the just the books which like sure knowledge is power but like that's it like great it's good that they scream when you open them if you don't have a teacher's note but like why it's still it still should like you still shouldn't be able to use a teacher's note to access books about horrible dark arts shit even if you're seventh year because some seventh years are voldemort yeah i mean and you know and you know that uh you know that slughorn totally wrote voldemort a past look at books in the restricted section and we're just like yeah sure tom whatever and that's oh yeah definitely and i'm like that shouldn't Considering how, like, terrible all the teachers are and how there's, like, no oversight about what they're doing, I I don't think students should just be able to get a note from any professor to be able to go in the restricted restricted section. Like, what a terrible idea. And also, like, it's not like there's any sort of, like, magical oversight of that. Because, like, when Hermione gets one in the next book, it's not like Madame Pince has any sort of, like, evidence that Lockhart actually wrote it, it could have been forged by Dean Thomas, who's very good at drawing. Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. I don't like it. Welcome to the religion and belief section. Our first time having a religion and belief section. Where we are going to talk about... Religion and belief. <laughs> yes. Um, and the reason why we're having this section is it does seem weird that the witching world celebrates Christmas and Easter. Yep. Um, is Jesus 
a witch? Is this <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, no. Can that be one of our t-shirts or pins or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so good. Um, but I actually, I do, have a, I do have a theory about okay. why they celebrate Christmas at Hogwarts. Um, that's not because JKR didn't think about religious diversity when she created this world. <laughs> um, so, so Christmas is actually a really good example. So, as maybe some of us know, uh, a lot of Christmas traditions have were co-opted from various pagan and like folk religions mm-hmm. like having a Christmas tree in your house, having lights and like candles, yule logs, uh, mistletoe, all that wreaths, I'm sure, like all that like witchy crap where it's like let's put a live tree in your house and cover it with lights. Yep, straight up pagan paganness. Um, so, what I suspect is that I'm sure witches used to probably just celebrate Yule, you know, like winter solstice, pretty big witchy holiday. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. What I think is that at some point, whenever Christianity became popular, maybe the witches just sort of co-opted Christmas. To like, <laughs> you know, you know, if they're getting a bunch of, you know, muggle-born children, and maybe even some of the pure bloods maybe are Christian? Question mark. I don't know something that, as opposed to celebrating Yule, maybe it's just easier for them to celebrate to just to call it Christmas and Easter versus like Yule and the equinox. Because I mean, you're right. Like bunnies and eggs, like also just nothing to do with christianity just clearly co-opted so right which is why like easter which you know the day that someone dies is a fixed date however (laughs) easter occurs on like the third full moon the first full moon after the vernal equinox is that when easter is something like that something very witchy it's so witchy (laughs) (laughs) what anyone who has ever looked up why does easter move around should be like that's witchcraft just Just full stop (laughs) uh yeah so i actually think that this is not something that can be in-world explained, and actually the answer is that J.K. Rowling is a coward and chose not to say Yule when what she meant was Yule. And was, you know, even even with the inclusion of Christmas in every single novel, these books still cause Satanism, <laughs> as it says in our theme song. <laughs> so... uh I guess she had reason, but I just think that she wasn't brave enough to to not call it Christmas because there is nothing actually, you know, Christian Christmas no. taking place here. No. There's no mentions of, you know, baby Jesus or 
you know, creches or anything. It's just the pagan parts of it. They're just celebrating Yule. Yeah. And we never actually get specifics on the day that it's being celebrated. We, um, we sure don't, actually. So, for all we know, it could be the solstice. Um... Yeah, because if they are celebrating Christmas, the lack of religious diversity at Hogwarts is nonsense. Um, I think what it comes down to is that it's still just really shitty if you're like a Jewish or Muslim witch at this school. Because it's like, so we're celebrating Yule, but y'all are calling it Christmas? Like, what? I want to believe that this, like, that they aren't actually calling it Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, I th- I think that they, this is like a post, like, like someone's shitty editor was like, took it out, like took the word Yule and replaced it with Christmas, <laughs> but like that wasn't the original text. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if that's the case, it sucks. Um Yeah, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. No. Um, and then there's also the piece of it that, like, even the, like, those pieces of, of Christmas that are sort of, like, the, like, secular pieces of Christmas are still so heavily associated with Christmas that everyone thinks of it like i don't know how many times i've had conversations with the jewish kids that i used to babysit about the fact that like just because someone like has christmas decorations doesn't mean that they're christian because like that's never the case with judaism right there's no one like hanging you know like a star of david or like playing dreidel who isn't jewish and so that like the that excuse is invalid um to be like oh no this is like secular decorations at this mall it's like just a christmas tree there's no depictions of jesus it's like no dude this is still this is still like christianity making its way into all sorts of places that it doesn't belong and yeah i'm like scroogey as fuck (laughs) i just want to like i literally write a complaint card at every single store i go to that's playing christmas music (laughs) because fuck that until they're also like putting up other winter holiday decorations alongside their fucking christmas trees i'm not having it i'm sick of it i have like i these conversations that I've had with these kids have just like broken my heart to the point where I'm like, take this shit down. Like I love Christmas lights. They're so pretty, but like, take it down. You're a store. You're not a church. Like we, it's not separate. It's not separate enough for this to be okay. And I'm, I'm done with it and I hate it. Rant, rant things and stuff. Also, Christmas music is terrible, and no store should be playing it anyway. <laughs> thank God, right? Like, like thank. Mm, like, wait, what is Theo, who made our logo, says "Thank Giles" instead of "Thank God," which I think is 
just top notch. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, the I never want to hear another goddamn Christmas song for the rest of my whole entire life. It's it's really give bad. me a cauldron full of hot strong love any day. <laughs> <over>. <laughs> Yeah, the one the one Jewish kid in this book is bummed out. Also, the one oh. Jewish kid is called is named Goldstein, which I'm like, could you literally have not? Could you have right. not? Could you right. just? And then when she made more Jewish people in Fantastic Beasts, she was like, they'll be related to the one Jewish kid. That's in the There's book. only one Jewish family who is a witch in the Harry Potter series. I'm just gonna pretend. I'm just like gonna pretend that nothing in Fantastic Beasts is canon. So that's fair. I'm into that for <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, corrections. Uh huh. Um, my first one says, "LOL, Harry, there are not 100 turkeys for you, the Weasleys, and the teachers. Stop it." <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was also trying to figure that out. Maybe there's a bunch of kids who stayed this year that he just doesn't mention. No, because he talks about how empty the school is and, like, how empty the common room is with just him and the Weasleys. Yeah, you're right. There would not be hundreds of turkeys. turkeys. A turkey already feeds a lot of people. So many people. (laughs) A hundred turkeys would probably be sufficient for if the entire school was there yeah, for real. but that's like 20 turkeys per person that's <laughs> actually at this fucking dinner <laughs> yeah doesn't make any sense just harry come on my friend um and then related to that because i'm pretty sure and please tell me if I'm wrong, but it is just him and the Weasleys, right? That stay? I feel like they don't describe... The only people he describes are the Weasleys and the teachers. And it doesn't seem like there's anyone else... He doesn't describe anyone else in the Gryffindor common room. But George... One of the twins says that Percy is not going to sit with the prefix, he's going to sit with them. So there maybe are enough prefix there, but like not enough prefix to eat a hundred turkeys. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I have been this whole like reading this, I've been sort of imagining Madame Pence as one of the librarians from Night Vale. <laughs> And so I just had an image of, like, her as, like, turning into her, like, true monster form and just, like, devouring turkeys, (laughs) which was a very enjoyable visual. (laughs) Amazing. Um, But so to, to that, and if it is just Harry and the Weasleys... There's this moment after dinner where Harry says everyone is too full and sleepy to do anything but watch Fred and George chase 
per, or Percy, for, Chase, Fred, and George around the common room because they stole his badge. And I just want to point out that assuming it is just them, everyone, quote unquote, is literally just him and Ron. <laughs> because it's the rest of them are the ones running around. <laughs> Which is amusing to me. <laughs> So what was, uh, you had like a whole thing, right? With the correction? Yes. So there is not any reason why Snape should be limping or bleeding in these chapters, in this chapter, in the Quidditch chapter. Like, he is a potions master. He should just be able to dump Dittany and like whatever other healing potions and heal that in like two seconds. Like that, it doesn't, it literally doesn't make any sense that there's a whole scene about his like, what, like, a month later? Weeks later? His mangled leg? Like, unless Fluffy's mouth is really incredibly disgusting, then maybe he has a weird infection. He should just be able to dump a bunch of potions on it and call it good. I mean, infection or no, like, you can regrow bones in the witching world. He's fine. Yeah. There's no, like, on so many levels, yes, absolutely, he has a Dittany in his classroom and can just fix it. Two, he wasn't doing anything actually sketchy, so he should have just gone to Madame Pomfrey. Three, Halloween was like a while ago. I, unless he got those wounds post-Halloween, in which case, like, why is Harry assuming that he was trying to get past the three-headed dog on Halloween? Because, like, no, his leg does not still look like that. Yeah. Like, the only point that it serves is to move the plot forward, which is, like, it just logically doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's just, like, a really disturbing visual. Like, Snape holding his robes above his knees with, like, Filch in there doing whatever he's (laughs) doing to, like, tend these wounds. I just, like, find it really upsetting to think about. So, like, not magically... Right. So it's yeah, like Filch can't do magic. So it's like, with like a clean rag. Like what? Like dabbing it? Like what is he do? He's cleaning this wound that shouldn't need to be cleaned. Pour some Dittany yeah. on it. And also, I just think that like Snape's legs are probably like so white and like oh. skinny and like a bummer. No, like Snape is definitely like milk pale. Like uh-huh. like he looks like a vampire. And that's why people think that he's yeah. a vampire, because he's just so deathly pale. Yep. Yeah. yeah he's, like, he... he's like skinny chicken legs with like maybe a little bit right. of hair. It's just like, it's just like Phil just like dabbing at Right. It's like, oh no. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <sighs> Welcome to Dear Hedwig, our advice column. This week's letter is titled, Move the Magic Mirror. Dear Hedwig, I am a teacher at a boarding school, and I have some concerns about the behavior of our headmaster. He recently pulled from storage a highly dangerous magical object and placed it in an unused classroom. The door to the classroom isn't even locked. He has insisted that he can keep the students safe from the objects by guarding the room, but that seems unrealistic. I mean, he has to sleep sometimes, right? I just don't understand why he wants it there at all. He won't explain his decision. 
I know it's not my place to demand explanations, and I know that he isn't the kind of person who would listen if I tried to voice my concerns. But Hedwig, I am concerned. There just isn't any reason to have this object out where the students can find it. How can I bring this up with the headmaster in a way that will make him listen? I'm just concerned about the safety of our students. Signed, Anxious About Albus. Well, Anxious. I feel like you have really two separate issues going on. One of which you voiced, which is, you know, you're concerned about any kind of dangerous object being kept at a school without any kind of, without really any way of keeping it away from the students. But it does feel like your bigger issue is that, is how to approach your boss about something that you personally find concerning that maybe he's not so concerned about. I would say that's a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, it's that that sentence in there about he's not the kind of person to listen to my concerns is definitely, that was the big sort of like red flag in the letter for me. I mean, the whole letter is definitely a red flag. Like, oh, the headmaster, my boss insists on keeping something dangerous out where kids can get it. That's very frightening. But uh, that he won't listen to his employees is like, that definitely makes us a much harder question to answer. I guess I'm wondering, do your coworkers, your fellow teachers, do they share your concerns and if they do, maybe you could, you know, form a committee or uh, at least, you know, at least check in with them and see how they're feeling about it. And maybe, maybe if there are enough of you that, that are feeling worried, you'll be able to take your concerns to the headmaster as a group and he might be more inclined to listen, uh, you know, if he sees that his entire staff is feeling this way. Um, it might be the case that individually you folks feel, you know, disempowered to talk to him um, in a way that you, you know, you might not with, with some, some backup for lack of a better word, you know, like with some moral support, uh, definitely uh, men in positions of power can often not be the most inviting people to raise issues with. You know, obviously, I don't, I don't know your strata in society, letter writer, but um, even so, you know, no matter what, he's your boss. He's in a position of power over you, and so I, I can understand that how on your own it might feel frightening to confront him but yeah i guess that's that's where i would start is by is by having a conversation with your coworkers about this situation yeah this is definitely a time to have allies and i can't imagine that the rest of your i can't imagine the rest of your coworkers will turn a blind eye to leaving dangerous objects with within the reach of children um and maybe you'll have a couple people who you know won't want to make waves or you know agree with the headmaster or agree with your boss but you know if you can find like a few strong allies 
those are the people you're going to want to, you know, really move forward with this. Um, your other option, letter writer, is as a teacher, as someone, you know, in charge of young people, maybe take it upon yourself to whenever you, you know, walk by this area where this object is in an unlocked area, maybe you should uh, lock it. Maybe you should secure it some way. And then, you know, if your boss happens to, you know, happens to, you know, ask you about it, you can be like, oh, I saw that this dangerous magical item, like any child could have walked in. And I, so I took it upon myself to kind of like make sure that only the faculty and the, the, and the staff who were trained to deal with these kind of things, you know, could, could gain access. I like that. That's kind of like a, it's honestly, it's passive aggressive, but it sounds really effective too, where it's sort of like not confronting, but you just, you just kind of get to like play dumb and be like, oh, I just noticed that it was unlocked again. So I locked it. Yeah. It, Cause maybe he'll take the hint, right? Or at least it forces him to verbalize, at least to you, why he would like that area to, to remain unlocked. Right. And maybe hearing it out loud will be a thing that he'll maybe realize that leaving something dangerous for children to access is a terrible idea. That's that's a really, really good point. Um, I like the way... I like that. Yeah, so I guess... Yeah, you have two options. Honestly, they're not even two separate options. I think you could do both, you know, um, start having those conversations. And honestly, if neither of those things works... You have to take the well-being of your students as the highest priority, and I think that you're you probably need to go to the board of governors about this situation because if if the headmaster of your school is insisting upon endangering your students, you really don't have a choice but to take it above his head. And good luck, as dear Prudence always ends every. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck. Good luck. <laughs> All right. We're, we're rooting for you. We are. Keep those kids safe. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gaily Prophet. If you're reading along with us at home, next week we will be reading chapters 13 and 14. So go ahead and get caught up. You can find us at our new website at thegailyprophet.com. On social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at The Gaily Prophet. And if you would like to submit your own uh, Dear Hedwig letter, you can email us at thegailyprophet at gmail.com, and we will answer it on air. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegailyprophet, so if you want to support us with your dollars, that's a way that you can do that, and we will give you lovely things in return. And if you want to support us, Without your dollars, please go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and little review that literally can say as little as, I love this. So, you know, three and a half seconds worth of time and energy. Um, every single review helps make it so that our podcast is more findable by people. So it really is like a very, very legitimate way to support our podcast and we very much appreciate it. And if you leave us a review, we will read your name on air. So, you know, if that's an incentive for you. 
I mean, you want you want us to acknowledge you, and we are happy to fulfill that desire. Yeah. Also, once we have fifty reviews, ten of the fifty people are gonna get um, sweet stickers of our logo. So that's an incentive too. So yeah, go do that. Um, also, you can leave reviews other places to be counted toward that sticker giveaway. Facebook and Stitcher are both fine. If you want to find me in between episodes, you can head over to my website, which is larkmalakai.com, L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I, where you can learn about the work that I do, both my healing work, which is I work with nutritional therapy and do some like coaching work. I don't really know a better way to explain it. Coaching slash intuitive counseling. I don't know. And also I do tarot readings. Also, I think by the time this comes out, I will have reopened my trans inclusivity trainings for healthcare providers. So if you are a healthcare provider or you have a healthcare provider that would like to know how to be good to your trans patients, go over there and learn all about it. You can nominate your doctor if they aren't (laughs) good at dealing with trans patients and I will contact them, not give them your information and just say, Hey, someone who, you know, is a patient or client of yours reached out to me and asked that you do this training and I will tell them that I will be following up with the person who asked. So there will be a level of accountability and you should totally nominate your doctors because most of them suck. Great. Okay. You can also find me on socials at Lark Malachi on Instagram and at radical healer on Instagram and nowhere else. (laughs) Um, I'm doing much less interesting stuff than Lark because I just have a simple day job. But you can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at Live from Detroit where you can see photos of me and my girlfriend and my cat. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) It's very true. Very (laughs) very cute photos. If you scroll back far enough, you will find the most incredible thirst trap of Jesse eating an ice cream cone that I like (laughs) saw like last summer and cannot get out of my brain. So, you know. Uh, The thirst trap was really the ice cream because it was vegan soft serve. So, look at you. (laughs) Sorry, I was thinking about that ice cream is what I really think about. (laughs) That dream. Um. Anyway, yeah, you should. Come follow us. We are entertaining. We are entertaining. Uh, we cute. We have cute pets. It's just great. Anyway, two-thirds of what I post on my personal Instagram is just my partner laying on couches with dogs on top of him. That's adorable. I mean, I'm here, <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for all of this. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Well, our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester, who makes a comic strip every week inspired by the episode, which goes up every Saturday morning on our website. And also we put it on all of our social platforms. So do go follow us so you don't miss that. Our spoiler warning was recorded by Sarah Sarwar. The music in our spoiler warning and our theme song are both by Kevin McLeod. And you can find that information in our show notes. Until next time. Trigger. Top hat. Yes. Non-denominational. And bait. Oh my god. Jesse. <laughs> I was very proud. Oh yeah. Also top hat. It. 
top hat need to be in there forever. Whoever you, in, whatever your head canon of McGonagall is, whoever that is, wearing a top hat while she's tipsy is like. If Theo doesn't include top hat McGonagall in the comic for this episode, I think I'm going to weep. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for top hat McGonagall. I'm here for. Jillian Anderson as Top Hat McGonagall, but that's just my personal preference as a longtime person who's had a crush on Jillian Anderson since I was like 13. Nice. So. I don't think we fucked up. I'm not going to have anything to put after a little beepy thing.